like I want it to look as if I painted it from life. You can't do that because it's not it's not in front of you. So kind of what I do now is you're letting yourself noodle it out, figuring it all out. And then once you've extricated that knowledge from the ether, then you can go and paint a la prima and just, you know, set it down like you know what you're doing. Hey, yeah. thanks for listening. Last night was uh, this semi-annual writer gathering where everybody brings something kind of chocolate and a book and that we exchange favorite reads from the year. Kind of a secret Santa uh, Yankee swap thing. But 90% of the time is spent talking about, you know, writing and the struggles of writing, et cetera, and so forth. And like one thing popped out at me, the phrase what if, and like how powerful, inspirational and damaging what if is to creatives where we, we think, oh, okay, well, we understand how things take a certain amount of uh, time, effort and energy or whatever the thing is, or the odds are so against us in these chances. But what if you take luck and talent out of the equation and you wonder what is the ejection point when you go, all right, what if is no longer fueling this towards a beneficial solution, but more so a problematic one? Yeah, it was just one of those moments where we were talking, we started laughing about how it can just pull us into the, the worst things. And then I also talked about this project I did years ago kind of a period when I was avoiding the idea of writing by doing other things. I think one thing that was holding me back was flat file and folders full of ideas of things that I've started that I had never finished or never or never went anywhere and how existentially painful that can be. And I started what I call, this is Back in the blogging days, I started a blog called the Loose Ends Project, where I went through and finished them. And if I didn't think they had any chance of getting finished, I got rid of them. Getting them done was a huge emotional check. And um, I can recommend it as a great exercise to look at these things and, and not be so painfully self-critical because we didn't finish something like because man every creative has stacks of these things it's just the nature of the beast but rather than it being a burden i uh think we can turn them into something a little more positive and uplifting and i'd love to hear if anybody has their own experience with something like this and what they do uh, let me know so today's guest is paulo rivera um, Paolo is, you know, a consummate artist, an artist, artist, a phenomenal painter, amazing draftsman, and, you know, a super busy guy doing, you know, <laughs> you know, people come on the show sometimes to talk about projects that they're promoting. Paolo is not coming on to promote anything. He's promoting a bunch of, uh, non-disclosure agreements. So he can't talk about much of anything, but he, uh, super generous in our conversation about his thinking and about his career and what he does. He dropped these, you know, these bombs and like one of them, I just love his idea of art setups, you know, 
getting those reps in on whatever the thing it is you're doing and you're just doing it over and over and over. And, you know, that's like what drawing a monthly comic book is. It's getting your art, your sit-ups in. Like you are just going to be ripped and cut and ready for whatever because you do it every day and you really have to figure it out to be successful at it. So I had a great time talking with him. He is really just quite amazing in his uh his professionalism it's unbelievable and he has maybe one of the most unique stories in the comic business where he works with his father and not in the terms that he is the legacy of his father in the comic industry he brought his father in which is so cool i don't know i love the idea of being able to work with a with a parent and like in a really great way so this is me with Paolo Rivera. What is it like the one month holiday crunch? Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, well, yeah, it's the same thing every year. I, I try not to put too many things in my schedule, and then it all ends up getting backed up. I explain it to people. You know, I'm like, I just all I do is I play rush you know, rush up before Thanksgiving. And then it's just all this playing catch up all the way through until January. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I, I try not to do it every year, but it always happens. So where, where are you in the, this uh, great nation? Uh, just South of San Francisco, a town called Belmont. Oh, okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah, about, about 30 minutes, 30 minutes South. Nice. Have you been there your whole life? Oh, no, no, no. Um, I'm originally from Florida. We moved out here, my wife and I, in 2013. Uh, okay. She works for Google. So she worked for Google in New York for a year, and then we both moved out here together when she got put on full-time, or converted from, I can't remember how long. It was <laughs> 10 years ago. Until <laughs> she was assimilated fully. Basically, yeah. She's been there uh, ever since. So, uh, you know, I've I've been a freelancer forever, so... Uh, it's pretty easy for me to just pick pick things up and go. When you say New York, were you talking New York City? Were you, was she there at the 15th Street building, like that big one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a whole it's, city block. I know. No, no, I know. I, I lived in New York for 25 years. And, you know, you see these buildings that were sort of like nondescript forever because yeah. like, who's going to do anything with this gigantic building? And then... yeah you know, this kind of the shift happened and then Google came in and picked up one of the biggest around and bam, you know, like th there's this whole ecosystem that they put in place in like no time. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And they do that, you know, in every big city across the whole sure. world. I've been to uh, the Zurich office. I think I went to the London office. Uh, yeah. They're, they're always incredible. I spent some time. I w so I went to a writer's conference earlier this year and I was sitting in the lobby the night before it started. And this guy sat down and he was, you know, had his, his luggage. He was cl clearly going somewhere, but he wanted to talk. He didn't want to leave, leave me alone to do my work. So I, you know, so we had this conversation, but he was one of the original, uh, I don't know what the number was, but like original 10 employees for Google. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> I know he, um, did, did you ask him to buy you lunch? Oh, I, I wish it. Yeah. He, he, um, he was working, I think for IBM at the time and whoever were the, you know, the people who put the money into the, into, you know, the, the two guys starting Google, 
they said, you have to hire this guy because he's the one who can make what you're trying to do happen. Mm-hmm. So like he was like the the experience that they needed because he was older. So like, they, yeah. you know, there's always this thing of like, put an older person in there, you know, because of the experience factor. And uh, oh, yeah. that was his role. And you would never guess it looking at him. He just looked like sh- schlubby guy, <laughs> but really, really nice. And, uh, yeah. you know, eccentric in his own way, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that's the whole Bay Area. You know, I, I'm just kind of tangential to it all, but I, I see it all happen nearby. So it's it's been interesting to watch everything that's gone down in the last ten years. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it. it I mean, yeah. I mean, getting sort of a you know a second row seat has kind of been pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's it's interesting times because uh, it's now. I think. Uh, I mean, Google is part of it, but they're kind of having to pivot because, you know, the new kid in town is you know, all the AI stuff mm-hmm. and they're, they're a part of it, but they, they're not on the, they're, I don't, I don't understand the whole structure thing. I, I, I know they own a certain aspect of it, but, uh, anything that I've seen that they've done, it doesn't quite seem to be as advanced as what I see coming out of other places. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm talking no, about. No, I know. They, but I see the results. Yeah. They're so big. I mean, the thing is, they are so big and broad. Yeah. And rather, you know, unlike, you know, an Amazon, which is a service-based company that has spread itself into all these different sort of arenas, mm-hmm. or an Apple, which is a hardware-based company, which has spread itself into, you know, more entertainment than anything else. It, it is interesting to see how the informational section that is Google and what they've done to try to expand their sort of their reach in a global mm. fashion. It, it, I mean, it, it's fascinating stuff to me. You know, I, as a writer, I go, huh, what, what can happen with this? You know, that's the, the whole, what if, you know, scenario. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's yeah, never I, good. <laughs> you don't want it to be good because <laughs> it's not, it's not a fun story if it's good. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's the thing is I, I, I use all these things. So I want it to all be, fairly successful but mm-hmm. uh i you know every conversation I, ha- I have now on the playground with other other parents it's like it's it's all about this stuff because uh, we just everybody all the parents I, I talk to they they all work in tech mm-hmm. uh and i'm you know i'm always the odd man out <laughs> so they always <laughs> you know they always want to ask my opinion on uh you know mid-journey that that you know that kind of ai right. And, uh, fortunately the NFT thing has kind of died down. Uh, but I was, I was getting a lot of that for uh, a couple, couple of years there. You know, I never expected, well, I, I always knew it was going to go bust. <laughs> but mm-hmm. It was just a, kind of a question of, of when, but I never got involved with it. I always felt like it was funny because for years I kept going to myself, like, so and I, you know, whenever and I bought a Cintiq, you know, 13, 14 years ago, and I loved it. You know, it's, it's a great yeah. tool for a, you know, manual artist. You know, it sort of gives you this connection to the digital realm, which is unparalleled. But I kept going like, wow, you know, like there's people who just strictly live in the digital environment. Mm-hmm. And how would you give a commission to someone? You know, like to, to me, they always sell this, this weird um, connection because I 
feel like they were being held apart from things. And I said, if there was only a way to create a unique, <laughs> you know, code of some sort, which yeah, could only yeah. be for this one file, you could give a commission to someone and that would be the thing. And lo and behold, they create blockchain, which is that, but it mm-hmm. did not get utilized for what I would call a benevolent purpose. It got utilized for a very different role. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like I like the idea. I wasn't, you know, some people were very, very adamant against it. I don't, I didn't really care. Uh, you know, some people made a lot of money on it, like whatever. Mm. Uh, the, the one point that, you know, one of the dads I was talking to, he's, uh, I think he now works for Microsoft. But uh, anyway, his point was that the reason it hit so big was because all of these blockchain guys, the people who are already invested in it, there was just a lot of pent up money that mm. was already sunk into that. And so it looked like it exploded and you know, it did, it was, it was a ton of money. It all flowed into that. But once that money got in there, that's kind of like, that was the limit. You know, yeah. the, your, your typical art buyer is not going to come off of comicartfans.com and start spending their <laughs> money, their hard earned right. us dollars <laughs> and putting it, into this uh, digital currency. So, you know, again, it was a lot of money, but once that initial dam burst, it kind of has flatlined. And yeah. what the part I never liked about it was just that uh, everybody who was super into it, even if I liked like their art, and there is a lot of artwork that I do like, I just saw a couple of things today that were great and I still follow some of those guys. Uh, they were just having to work too hard it just sounded like they part of their job was just being a salesperson. Mm. And so, you know, as with most art, it's like I either like it or I don't. And I don't want to, I don't want to have them constantly pitching, you know, on the benefits of this new form when all I really care about is, is the one art. That being said, I'm a terrible patron of the arts. Most of those people that I follow on Twitter, I don't give them any money whatsoever. I try right. to, you know, repost their, their artwork when I can, but it's just one of those things and you don't actually need it to survive. I like surviving with it, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, there has to be some kind of mechanism for <laughs> providing those artists with something they can live on to buy yeah. the things that they actually do need. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I, my wife is a, is a, contemporary fine artist and so i you know the oh, conversation wow, so you know. <laughs> oh yeah i firsthand you know like i'm i'm the uh i i'm your wife who works for google that's who i am in the relationship you know? i see i see you know so it, it is that, a, that's uh, always my first piece of advice to to young budding artists i was like find mm-hmm. somebody with a real job right totally Totally. And I don't even think I have a real job, but it's just like I, you know, I happen to have enough experience and enough, in, you know, realms that I can do a lot of different work. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's tough. And, then, you know, I think all these things are just, you know, I mean, who knows if, you know, the first wheel invented was used for the intention of what the wheel has become. You know, someone just could have like created like, hey, this is the new thing to chase down a small animal that we can, you know, then eat. You know, they roll it down a hill and it runs over a small animal and they're like, hey, we eat this. Uh, You know, and then someone invents an axle and changes the the whole dynamic. So all this stuff could just be a bunch of unusable wheels until someone creates the axle. Like, we don't know. Yeah, yeah. And for me, the reason I don't go, 
I've, I've seen so many people fight it. I don't, I don't think we can. Uh, the, the reason that I'm not totally worried about the AI thing right now is just because of what the Copyright Office has done. Mm -hmm. uh, that being said, I fully support the class action lawsuit that has just been filed by several colleagues of mine against OpenAI, uh, just because I think they need to pay somehow. Uh, sure. You know, the most egregious example being, you know, if, you're, if your name as an artist illustrator is being used as a prompt, then Straight you up. get something. Totally. I mean, it, now, how that actually happens, I don't know, and it's going to be a fight. And I think this is the beginning of that fight to see what happens. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, if it's. I mean, this stuff to me is all fascinating, and uh, you know, and, and I feel kind of fortunate that we're in a time that we can see this happening firsthand and yeah. experience it. Regardless, you know, who knows? I mean, hopefully, you know, the outcomes are going to be safe and nobody's blown up in the process, but. Um, I, I, I love it. I mean, I, you know, me, you know, being a, I guess a recovered, uh, cave painter such as yourself, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I love, I, lo I love seeing this because I love having gone from a completely analog existence in my life yeah. as a, as a creator to what I consider a very hybrid based, you know, environment of how do I work? How do I get, how do I get my jobs done? Mm -hmm. And the tools make things much faster. Like you just have to figure it out. Like Photoshop is faster than going into the dark room. I'm not going to argue yeah. that. Like in, in yeah. every tool that we have, you know, the AI stuff, as you said, like, I mean, and they'll have to figure it out. I mean, and they should figure it out because it could be a great tool for somebody in the, down the road. And we just mm -hmm. got to figure out how we use these things. Well, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I've, I've already seen that I personally would like to use. I haven't used it yet, but I don't. I have any like fundamental rule about not using it. What mm -hmm. is funny is I've signed uh, several contracts in 2023 that forbid me from using any generative AI in the creation of my artwork. They don't want it anywhere wow. in the pipeline. And that's yeah. specifically because of what the copyright office said, like you can't copyright that mechanically generated artwork. And if that's the case, then none of these IP companies that hire me are going to want it. Now that doesn't mean they won't change that eventually, but they're going. I'm sure you know some accountant somewhere is trying to figure out you know, accountant and lawyer is trying to figure out how they can use it because you know what is so expensive about making an animated movie? It's the labor cost. Yeah. So it's going to happen. And the thing is, like, I would love to make you know more of like I'm I'm bounded by these hands. Like I can't sure. produce. You're not scalable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I would love to be able to use some of those tools, but I can't, uh, if I can't copyright it, then there's no chance that I'm going to do it, you know? Right. Well, so. I, you know, and listen, robots, if you're listening, um, I would love to have an AI service that I could have my own partition and I could yeah. upload all my own artwork yeah. into it. And then well, they've, already, they've already got that. <laughs> <laughs> and become more scalable in that process so I can just build off of my own world and right, go right. that way, you know? So yeah. thank you. Thank no, that, you that's, that's, our, that's already out there. That's already out there. They've got it. Uh, there was one I was going to uh, try. I just saw it today, no, last night, uh, that I want to give it a shot. It was some kind of enhancer. Hmm. Um, I don't know if I 
here's the thing is like you don't ever know if it works quite the way and i just at this point i just want to see if it does what it says it does and basically that was taking a sketch or a rough animatic or just you know any kind of rough idea and then you know the the joke i don't know what movie it's from where they just keep saying enhance 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 <laughs> and it's just like like the information is not there but in this case it is but where is the information coming from it's because it's scraped the entire internet for all that sure pictures and yeah so well, i just want to see if it works you. have it just scrape you and you'll be fine yeah um, yeah, that, yeah i know listen well, the, i mean that, that that's the other thing it's like i don't own any any of the artwork that i've done like right. you know marvel slash disney owns a the large, you know, I'd say 70% of everything I've ever right. made. So, so that's going to be tricky no matter what. Um, so yeah, yeah. Interesting times ahead. What I'm not worried about yeah. is, I, you know, 50% of my, my uh, income is from original art sales. And that's mm -hmm. been the case for not, not 20 years, but almost my whole career. And so th this skill Mm -hmm. is only going to be become scarcer as time goes on because there's going to be less people learning how to do it uh so i'm not worried about it as long as long as my hands and my eyes keep working uh i can keep doing that uh but yeah every, everything else i have no idea how it's going to go yeah yeah i mean and, and i think the the further you place yourself from it the more in peril in peril you become of to it in that sense so like mm -hmm it doesn't behoove us to hide from this stuff as creators. I think creators need to be yeah. apprised of this stuff to be, you know, you know, the people who didn't want to learn how to use going back to Photoshop so long ago, you're so behind the curve when the time comes when someone's, you realize I can only get this job done if I use this, whatever software out yeah. there. So, you know, we, you know, because, the world doesn't move at the speed of our hands anymore. That's the, you know, that's the inherent, you know, problem. I had, uh, yeah. in like in 1998, 99, I was surprise, surprise late on a project, um, for mm -hmm. a publisher. And, you know, it was like FedEx wasn't even a solution at that point. Like, right. so I went to, I, I had, I had the thing scanned and I, and I sent it to a Kinko's that was down the street from the publisher in LA so they could go down there and get a disc <laughs> and, and go back to their office with the artwork because yeah. they didn't have a way to take the, the art. They didn't have a way to receive the digital artwork. They were like, we don't, mm -hmm. we won't, you know, so like having the disc was the solution. So it, what, yeah, what yeah. you know, it was complex and cumbersome to say the least, but you know, ye old zip drive solved the day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of why I like being the, the age that I am because, I was there for the transition, but still early enough to be able to like keep up with all that stuff. Because mm -hmm. you know, like my my parents, are, they both have computers, but sometimes they they do things on it. I'm just like, and I, you know, I don't know how a computer works, but I know how to use a computer. Uh, so, you know, my 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 dad inks me uh, uh, fairly often, and when he started inking me on Daredevil. I didn't have to teach him how to ink. I had to teach him how to scan. Hmm. So, you know, like he was able to do the, that kind of basic stuff, but like I had to be there physically. Like I, I flew to Florida, which is, they're still, still in the Daytona beach and just showed him like where it goes, 
you know, roughly how the file system works, how to do folders and all that kind of stuff. You know, he's, he's decent at all that stuff now. He's pretty much on autopilot, but uh, as far as computer stuff that goes, like they, they're not going to learn any, any, any new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, my, my role for, you know, at least two decades was reprogramming the VCR. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, that's the clock on there. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was the role in the family. Um, yeah. Is that, so, I mean, you have, you have some pretty cool digital um, products on your website for sale. And one of them being, you know, I guess one of them being the, you know, the bitmapper. Um, oh yeah. 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 I mean I like think- that to me, like, I'm like, Oh yeah. Like I'm thinking you probably made that for your dad. You're like, just run this. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, yeah, it was a Photoshop, you know, all, everything that's up there. It's just stuff that I use. Uh, the, the one I haven't done is like, I have a whole perspective system that I use for, you know, anytime I have to, I have to draw a, a background and I want to sell it. Uh, the only thing that's keeping me from doing it is like the instructions. <laughs> so right. I made a concerted effort at the beginning of January of this year to try and, and formalize it. And, uh, you know, I spent a couple of weeks on it and I was like, I got to move on. I got to do other stuff. I might try again this January because, you know, I have it. It's done. It works. It's just getting people to understand how to use it. But, you know, and then the second thing is like Clip Studio already does it. Mm -hmm. procreate on ipad already does it so it's like all these things but you know i do think there's still something valuable there because as a working illustrator specifically a comic book artist or at least i used to be i haven't drawn one in a while there there are certain things about mapping out perspective that you only use if you have to create a story Mm -hmm. and you are bounded by certain rules that were set forth by the panel beforehand and so you know, it's, it's not just setting up vanishing points. Like that, that's easy. Anybody can do that. What's difficult is mapping things out, uh, and dividing space into equal, uh, you know, equal grids and basing those grids on, on, on other things. Uh, I, you know, I need to do it. I haven't done it. People have asked me for it for years. It, it's, uh, I don't know if I'll ever get around to producing it. I wonder. I wonder if. Uh, I wonder if it would work if you did it as a video tutorial of you teaching somebody how to use it. I've, I have, like, you know, I've, I've already made a couple tutorials of it, but it, it, the thing I don't want is to put it out there and then spend half my time answering questions about it. Answering emails. Don't. Yeah, because <laughs> I already, yeah. you know, I already do some of that, and actually, I enjoy it because I, I love talking shop and, and whatnot. But uh, you know, not scalable. Again, right, comes, right. Comes I mean, it really, it, it always comes back down to that, which is, that is like the ultimate like weapon against the artist in so many ways is this yeah. lack of scalability. Yeah. But it, you know, it's also what makes us special. It's one of those weird things. It's like we're, we're, we're part of this, uh, industrial machine, especially when it comes to comics, uh, where we want to feel special. We're, you know, we're creating a look that belongs to us. Uh, but you know, at no point can we forget that we're a commodity. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's, you know, especially with comics and, you know, that kind of IP, it's, there's always going to be that tension, I think. Yeah. I, I was so know. concerned when I went, when I went off to art school about 
being able to be, you know, to make money. Like it was this big concern. I went to SVA and I'm like, oh man, I, you know, I, it, you know, it came from the family. They're like, so what, how are you going to do this? How are you going to make comic books, you know, a yeah. livelihood? And, and it was this big question. concern. Yeah. And, you know, my only answer at the time was like, well, you know, I knew that they had to pr- produce them. Like they're on the shelves every yeah. month. So they're there. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. all I need to do is get a slot and I'll be in space and I'm okay, fine. So I was like hunting down, you know, time with editors when I was still in school because I'm like, I need to, I need to be productive. And yeah, I never even considered anything outside of that in the terms of like, I'm not like, sure, I have ideas. Sure. I want to write something, but like the idea is, you know, and you know, early nineties was not exactly made it easy to make your own comic book back then, but I I could only think of like, I just got to get an, a book, get another new thing with the new editor or whatever the thing was. And it took so long for me to realize, like, oh, like the long-term investment is doing my own thing, not so much mm-hmm. as doing their thing, which sucked, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's always, always a trade-off. Yeah. That's how it is. Yeah. What was your, like, what was your focus? You went to, so you went to the, you know, the cooler version of my school. You went to RISD. <laughs> well, S- SVA, that's, that's where, uh, uh, Maz Kelly also taught. He taught at RISD and he, yes. and he did, in fact, yeah. I don't even know if he's still at SVA, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I went to RISD, um, uh, majored in illustration, graduated in 03. And, um, it was, you know, it was great for me. Um, the best part was probably junior year, spend a year in Rome. And, mm. uh, I, you know, I think a couple of years, they finally, I don't think they canceled the program outright, but it just, it's not going to continue to exist in the same format as when I enjoyed it. Cause it, it was a program that started back in the sixties. Like I think the the first group of kids went over in a boat <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> Like I know, I know airplanes existed back then. <laughs> right, right. But I guess it was a cheap, cheap way to get over there. Um, well, I'm sure it was some sort of rule that you have to ship artists in the boat. I, yeah, I don't know. They're like sketching each other on a long ass voyage there. Yeah, um, but yeah, that that was a great experience. Uh, didn't learn enough Italian, but it, it's really where I think I gained. You know, when you when you go to art school, like one teacher described it to me as doing art sit-ups, and uh, and it's true, like you have to go through that. But junior year is when I really kind of decided like comics was the thing, and also I had mm-hmm. a, a really good group of friends who were also very into comics, and uh, we just, I don't know, we just started doing it, you know, yeah, you just because we didn't have classes, so like I didn't have to. I don't, I don't want to say waste my time, but in my mind, it would have been, uh, I didn't want to waste my time doing editorial. Now, what, what's funny is like one of my friends, R.T. Crow Johnson, he, you know, always wanted to do comics. Now he's an editorial illustrator. He still makes his own comics, but the, he makes the comics for himself. Right. Although that being said, he did just, uh, I'm doing some bizarro covers for action comics, variant covers. He did one too, which is lovely. It's just, it's so great. Um, but anyway, the funny thing is he's now an editorial illustrator. He's, he's great at it. And I, but that's, you know, 
I guess you would call it his day job. Uh, but then when he makes comics, it's just for himself. Mm-hmm. Unless it's a piece for, he did just do a piece for the New Yorker, um, like a long form, I think a four page. I still need to read it. But it was about the Lahaina fires uh, in Maui. Uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. I... No, well, you were, you, were talk, you were talking the idea of like committing to doing comic books while, while you're off in, you know, Rome. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was, that was a year we, we just kind of all, uh, you know, we just didn't have classes. We just didn't have classes. So we were just free to do whatever we want. And so we did. It was great. Wow. So when yeah, we got I... back senior year, like that's what we wanted to do. And we didn't want to really hear anything else from anyone. Were you, were you seeing, I mean, we were chasing down like what was happening in Europe through their comic books as well, like to get some influence or were you still just mentally like American? I loved all that stuff. Uh, And it was funny, like with with my name, like when I first got into comics, everyone thought I was from Europe. Right. (laughs) I was like painting these things or Brazil. Yeah, I've heard it all. Now I think most people know I'm American, but uh, yeah, we would go to comics comic shops there and it was always amazing just it just seemed more i guess respected from like i don't know a a general culture sort of way you know Mm -hmm. obviously it's here it's pervasive now because of the movies and cartoons and all that kind of stuff but over there there's just a a level of respect for just the art that didn't ever seem to exist here and i experienced that firsthand like when i went to a convention in mexico city and i i'd had more people asking me to sign books than i'd ever had in any convention in the states in my you know entire career so it's something about america where it's it's just not as big as it is other mm-hmm. places but the the european art you know i i tend towards i don't know i, I, I like it all yeah it did it did influence me but i don't think it's as direct as you know say someone like uh, john Buscema. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I see, I see, I see the, you know, the Ramita senior and the Bushema stuff, like in your work, like it's just so like alive, you know, in your, in your faces and your figure work, like there's that whole thing. Although I'm sure being in Rome and exposed to the, uh, the classical, uh, figures out there, I'm sure that probably only improved your dynamism in that sense. Yeah. I I always tell uh, students, like, if you're going to draw, draw some sculptures, like you can't yeah. like they're there they're they'll sit still for you and it's already been you know processed through an an utter master of, of, of craft and so you know it's just all upside for you yeah because <laughs> uh, when you uh well, well it's just from uh you know everybody's going to grow up copying uh but what always happens with comics is just gets inbred you know you're just copying other comic book artists and then you have to at some point diverge from your influences and if you just go you know way back when the people who lived thousands of years ago or 500 uh you just you can't beat that level of quality and you know no one will be able to say oh he is a leonardo clone (laughs) (laughs) who cares uh but yeah, comics just always kind of has that problem. That will listen. That was sort of the when I when I first met uh, John Paul when he was he went to he went to school with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 
And and man, like looking at his, he was 18 years old and looking at his sketchbook, it was like looking at Michelangelo. I'm like, how, yeah. how are you drawing like this? Like at such a young age. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and, and nobody was saying like, what a Michelangelo hack that kid is. Like, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> no one's saying that. Oh man. Yeah. He, he was a, he was a Titan. Like I, I just, uh, I got, I got to meet him once down in Savannah for, uh, mm-hmm. their, their comic get together they used to have i don't know maybe they still have it uh but yeah he was amazing you know i i first got introduced to his artwork through earth x mm-hmm. and uh that kind of that, that brought me into into comics in a way you know i was about 18 maybe 17 when those started coming out and uh that's really when i i started actually reading comics um you know i always had some lying around i was always drawing those those figures but most of the stories I was getting from the cartoons and, you know, and, and movies, you know, Batman 89, 92, but that comic in particular, uh, it just kind of brought me into the fold and introduced me to just Marvel history in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then furthermore, I had a, a bigger in, influence on my life because Jim Kruger wrote it and I ended up meeting Jim at a convention and he's the one that, not just introduced me to Marvel, but hired me to do mm-hmm. some of the the work, you know, for, for some of his uh, creator-owned projects. And then uh, after I'd done that, then he introduced me to Marvel, and I used his the stuff I'd done for him as my portfolio. So, mm. you know, it, it kind of all goes back to Earth X. You know, I still remember uh, very fondly. Uh, I'm so glad I got to meet meet. Yeah. Jim was, um, in the nineties, man, he was like kind of this template for like what you could do. Like he, cause he was doing so much outside of, yeah, you know, the mainstream, like foot soldiers with, with Oming and other, other projects. It was just, Oh, like, cause you, cause you get so fixated on this sort of, you know, big two world that you don't even really recognize, like there's so much opportunity for the, you know, for this, creativity that can be done outside of the existing ip yeah 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 he was always doing all kinds of stuff like that and uh mm-hmm. and that that it, it was great to to see that at a young age and and be able to actually work work on those properties as well um yeah we ne- we did uh i i didn't make like it was mostly one-off illustrations the only exception being uh something called children of the left hand and that was actual comic work but it was only six pages it was kind of like a teaser mm-hmm. for something larger but then it we you know we were never able to to make it happen um you know turn it into a full book i still think it would it would make for a great project we've, we've talked about it later on but it'd be a, a pretty big commitment on, on my part yeah yeah i mean the, <laughs> i mean this this is just the ongoing conversation you know of yeah yeah <laughs> You know, the, 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 the labor involved in just making these damn books that, you know, we, you know, if we didn't love them, we wouldn't do them. So we, right, you know, right, right. it's this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, slash curse of the, of the artist. Um, mm-hmm. like yeah, fine, I'll put in the hours. I need to get this done, you know, and it's, I, I get it. I mean, we've all done it. Yeah. Um, what was your, I mean, what was your so, I mean, what was your experience in doing those, like that first teaser thing to getting your first hire from like 
you know, a, you know, a big two publisher saying like, did you have a different frame, like mentality? Like, Oh boy, it's on now. <laughs> like, was there, was there a, a sense of like heat? Uh, I mean, it, I, I had always wanted to work for Marvel. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's part of the reason I, I talked to Jim because when I, when I met him, I was 18 at a, at a comic convention. I met him and Alex Ross and, uh, Jim actually, I, I can't remember exactly how I contacted. It may have been I contacted him through Wizard Magazine or something. Like they had nice. some, con- yeah, they had a contest. That's what it was. And uh, he actually wrote me back. Kind of rebuild all this in my mind. Um, you know, it's a, it's a it's a straight line from his creator-owned project to Marvel because he he brought me into the offices, mm-hmm. like physically brought me into the office back when you could when you could do this now you know there's yeah. layers and layers of security uh i showed it to i think two maybe three editors while we were there uh they all said you know good work sorry we don't have any work for you but i got joe casada's email emailed him that night with exam you know digital examples of, of the work he got back to me the next day and said basically you're hired Nice. So, you know, if I if I hadn't had that portfolio for, from Jim, I I don't know. I don't know how long it would have taken. Right. Uh, and then you know, once once that happened, then I started working for Marvel, and I was still in school. I I still had my senior year to go, so I didn't go full steam until a year later after graduation, and that's okay. when I really started working for them, like you know, all the time. It, it, you know and. <clears throat> I can't, I mean, listen, I can't emphasize this enough. You know, we live in a very high digital access to people in this world, but we, we live in a low physical access yeah. frame of life. And I cannot rec- recommend enough to anybody who wants to do a thing, mm-hmm. whether it's comic books or whatever, build those, get that wizard magazine hookup, you know, IE yeah. online. And then make the effort to make that physical contact with those people, because that's the way that you're going to get the real, real hand, help, Mm -hmm. talk, coaching, reality check, whatever the thing is, it's going to come from that route. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of why I like, I didn't have to move to New York city, but it's where my friends were and it's where Marvel was. I was already working for Marvel. Mm-hmm. But I loved being there. Like it was just nice to go into the office, go to the holiday parties. Like all the people I met, it's still people yeah. I'm friends with. Uh, I, you know, again, it's not absolutely necessary. But if you're just starting out, like it, it, it sure as hell doesn't hurt. It really no, doesn't. no. And I think, I mean, I think you know, with a very different model than it is now than it was for you or for or for me yeah you know we we, we don't have that you know there isn't that access accessibility on the uh you know on the office side but there certainly is at conventions and i think you can people can make the you can make that for look listen find the podcast that the people are on find the articles that they're in reach out to them with specific like hey i really dug what you said about this it really you know connected with me don't use my words because then they'll, you know, you'll know you're phony. But um, that's the way. That's the way to really try to make these connections. 
because if we don't make those connect, you don't make those connections, you're just another email in the inbox, which, yeah, you know, who knows? And, you know, I don't know when the bloom of having X amount of thousands of followers on Instagram is going to wear off because doing a drawing on Instagram isn't actually making comics. Like these are the kinds of things or the whatever, whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the social media thing, like it's just so unpredictable. I, uh, mm-hmm. I, well, who, who the hell knows what's, what's happening with Twitter. Right. <laughs> I just no. I signed in today, uh, you know, on my phone and, uh, like the UI, not the UI, uh, posts weren't displaying, like everything was collapsed mm. and like you couldn't even click into it. So who knows what's happening with that? That's kind of a, a midlife crisis kind of issue. Uh, right. Instagram is interesting because I I got more followers there than anywhere else without without really like trying overtly like all I did was just you know have something new post it and for some reason the algorithm liked me and just went like that uh, but then it flatlines mm-hmm. and you know, even though I never gave it much thought, then I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Right. <laughs> like, why am I not getting new followers? But at the same time, like there's an existing and finite market out there for people who want to see 40 year old man, children drawing Superman, you know, they're out there, but there is, there's a cap. Yeah. And you know, I, I may have hit that cap. I, I don't know. Uh, but it is like from a, just from a salesman standpoint, like if I post something, I say, hey, I've got new Thundercats prints. I can move some prints. Like it's yeah. it's a pretty, you know, pretty easy way to uh just immediately get feedback from people mm-hmm. and and get paid. So it it has been great. I mean, I, I love it. I'm actually very thankful for it. But I do use it with caution and I don't uh I try not to depend on it. Uh it's business. If you have a single client that's 80% of your business even though you could like say, Hey, I make $400,000 a year and I have one, you know, and I only have one client, I would say you're in big trouble. Yeah. (laughs) Because my, like when I worked, um, when I worked at L'Oreal, I developed what I called the hit by the bus theory. And you know, my office is right on fifth Avenue. I look down and I, one day I'm like, this whole machine has to keep operating. <clears throat> it doesn't care if I'm here. It doesn't care if anybody in this building is here. If I get hit by the bus, the job continues tomorrow. They just mm-hmm. find a way to get it done. And so right. that's the the nature of the whole thing. So if you were one client, which could be the greatest people in the world and you're doing the best work ever, they can change their point of view, their mind. Somebody gets hit by a bus, you're out the door. And mm-hmm. it's so... You know, social media is great, but it shouldn't be your number one, yeah. You know, thing because it can change exactly. in, a, in a flip of the switch. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, how do you like? <clears throat> like, I know that you were pretty exclusive with Marvel for a long time, and mm-hmm. you then like had to <laughs> extricate yourself, you know, physically and emotionally from the situation. Was that part <laughs> and parcel of your moving out west? Did that like that help your? It, it all, yeah, it all kind of coalesced around the same time. Um, so in 2012, that marked 10 years for me at Marvel. Mm-hmm. And what I had kind of made a deal with myself leading up to that, that um, 
if I if I didn't get like some kind of raise by by 10 years, then that was going to be indicative of the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, lo and behold, here we are <laughs> 20 years later, that basically, you know, have the same uh, same rates that I started right. with. And so I make more money than I used to. But that's because uh, I've kind of well diversified how, how things, you know, where I actually gain income from. But going back to 2012, that's that's where I kind of like things could not have been better for me. Hmm. I I was on, you know, I started Daredevil in, in 2011. It was a hit. I loved the team that we were, you know, working with. Like it was just great. Just like everything was absolutely perfect. And um, so I say to myself, let's destroy it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but that being said, like I knew I was, from a strategic point of view, I knew I would never be in a better position to mm -hmm. to ask for more, and um, that kind of coincided with having to move out west, and so I knew I I wasn't going to be able to hit my deadlines. I like I could have they they would have accommodated me like because we were going on and off with other artists as well. Uh, like I could have taken just a hiatus and, and come mm -hmm. back. But at the same time, I had lots of other clients knocking on my door asking if I wanted to do stuff. And so I just, I figured, well, everything else in my life is changing right now. Uh, I, I might as well just do this too. And so I needed, I needed just a lot of flexibility and that's what I got. So I can, right. you know, I continued to work for them. Uh, I just wasn't no longer exclusive. I was exclusive from about 2005 through 2012. Yeah, pretty good long time. Yeah, it's yeah. a long time. It, 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 compared to the current sort of model, it's a very long time. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it served me great. I mean, you know, I, like, I, I think I have the career I do because of that time in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of reaping the benefits from all that, even though I, I don't necessarily produce as much as I used to. Yeah. Uh, let's opine a second on New York City. Um, you, you, where did you live? I was in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Okay, I, sweet. Well, I I go where I go, the rents rise. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I just I I put my finger on a map and I was like, there. Yeah. We need to make those rents rise, and then I move there, and then I go to the West Coast. I was like, ooh, ooh, that's already pretty high, but I can make it higher. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Okay. right. And and I'm only assuming you're buying up all the cheap real estate when you do move these places, I, Paolo. I wish I I wish I had. I I, I don't usually have the capital on hand. No. But, uh, you know, I I do I do own a house now, uh, so I now I now benefit from it finally uh which finally took took a while took a while yeah, I yeah that, that's kind country. of like that, that that's what happened with with me in like 2012 2013 is we moved out here i had actually saved a lot because i lived very cheaply in new york city mm -hmm. and i had kind of created a war chest for me to do my own thing and uh you know i was basically gonna sit in a room for two years and just draw this thing mm -hmm. and uh then I, then I moved out west. I got married. I bought a house. <laughs> then I had a kid. Then I had another kid. <laughs> so the war chest, yeah. the war chest gets smaller and smaller. Yeah, like you know, I, 
it's just I'd still like to do it. Uh, I, I need to build things up a little bit more before I, I go out. But um, you know, my basically my wife supports me. Uh, I you know I, I do okay on my own, but I I'm no longer in a position where I have to like worry about uh, you know I basically just take a job if I if I want to really do it. If I think it's really cool and I like the other creators. Like so mm -hmm. that, it's a very privileged position to be in. Um, but it also just means that I don't make as much work as I, as I used to. Yeah. Do you find yourself as an, I mean, one of the great benefits of living in uh, New York is the inspiration that you get from living there. Oh yeah. It was, it was amazing. I, just, yeah, do I always love that you, architecture. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I mean, I, I lived in hell's kitchen, so I had all the daredevil ar right. architecture around me. So, oh, um, but you know, how do you sub, yeah, I guess sublimate that now because you're not in a, you know, in an urban environment. Yeah, I'm definitely in the suburbs. <laughs> I, um, I, didn't know, I, 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 I still, I still, you know, I have all my, all my reference folders full of stuff. Uh, you know, Google, Google street view. I actually spend a lot of time on that. It's uh, great. Still back in New York, you know? Yeah, yeah, and uh, you can go back to different years. You're like, hey, what does it yeah, look like yeah. here in 2011? Yeah, yeah, I'm actually on uh, one of the streets. I don't know if it's still up, but back in like 2008, maybe, uh, I was standing outside of uh, Hanley's Comics. Um, <laughs> I think talking to my dad on probably on a flip phone. Yeah, <laughs> and and the you know the Google van drove by. I was like, hey. <laughs> so, I don't know if that's still there. I'd, I'd be curious. I posted it on my blog, so it'd, it'd be easy to find out, but I may no longer be there. But yeah, long story short, yeah, I loved all that stuff. I love, uh, you know, just drawing those big buildings. I don't love, love it when I'm doing it, but I love having done it. Sure. Um, and I did, I just, I can't show them, but I did just finish two pieces uh, where I actually did painted New York background. And it had been a while since I did anything like that. It was nice to kind of go back and remember all that. Yeah. So the painting stuff, I mean, listen, you know, surprise, surprise, you're really good at it. So, um, like, like, how do you like, it doesn't when, feel like when, that when it's happening. <laughs> no, no, no. The struggle, the struggle is real folks. It doesn't like, yeah. if you, if you don't, if you don't hate it while you're doing it, then it's not going to be great. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's just the nature of creation. You have to be, there's no painless childbirth and that's what this is. So as, as a, as a, as a middle-aged white male, yeah, I'm going to say I'll <laughs> find about, about childbirth here. No, but um, words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I'm very, I, you know, I, I think it's innocuous enough of a statement. Um, yeah. but like, how did you, what, what was your first cracking into like the painted stuff? Like, were you just like, Hey, I, I'd love to do the cover in painted. Like, was that like a chase down? No, I was just such a huge Alex Ross fan that I was a little obsessive, you know, back okay. Kingdom Come came out when I was, uh, I think, sophomore year. So I was about 16. Uh, I actually, my, my parents got me the first two books because I don't think three and four had come out yet. Okay. This is like for Christmas. And uh, I always remember that I couldn't, figure out which was book one and book two. So I actually read them out of order, but I didn't care. <laughs> I, just, I, no, I wasn't there for the story. Now I do 
love the story now. Sure. And, uh, you know, I love, I love Mark Wade, but at the time I was just a little obsessed and like all I needed was just more Alex Ross artwork in my life. And, um, uh, so that's kind of all I wanted. Like I, I always loved comics, but man, when I saw that his, his work, I was just like, I want to do that. Yeah. And so that's, that's what I concentrated on. That's what I did for Jim Kruger. And, uh, I think it actually made it easier for me to break in at such a young age because there just aren't that many people who can do it. Like, right. Or, or people who are dumb enough. <laughs> I, I eventually learned uh, that you don't paint comics, but it, it took several years for me to figure that yeah. out. Um, you know, whenever the youngins ask me like, what, what should I do? I want to paint comics. Like first draw a comic. <laughs> and if you still want to paint a comic, then paint a comic, because uh, it's not—it's not a good idea. Uh, there's only, mm -hmm. there's only like a handful of people who can do it, and uh, I should say Americans who can do it, and I'm not one of them. Uh, you know, it's—it's it's just a lot of—it's a lot of hours, and yeah. if you're not, the one—the one point I—I—I I, I should make is that if you're not really good at drawing then that's actually more of the issue. And that, that was kind of my problem is that I could paint and it actually stunted my, my progression for years. Uh, I didn't, I, I don't think I really became like a professional comic book artist until eh, this is overstatement, but I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing until about 2008, which is when I stopped painting. Okay. And I started drawing and because, you know, I started producing pages, at a at a greater rate, I just got better. You know, mm -hmm. I was I was drawing uh, Spidey, Amazing Spider-Man, and uh, and I was you know I switched to inking, and those two things, drawing more and inking, made me a better draftsman. And yeah, like there's just no there's just no excuse for not doing it. Uh, but the the painting, it it takes a hold of the the worst portions of my personality, which is just to just go over like noodle things. You know, over and over and over when it would be much better if I just put down one mark. Right. Uh, so and I, I still fight that to this day. Um, you know, it's easier said than done. Like the, the, the paintings that I just finished, I, if you're not painting from, that, that, that's the thing. It's like, I want it to look as if I painted it from life. You mm -hmm. can't do that because it's not, it's not in front of you. So kind of what I do now is you end up, you don't literally do this, but you're basically painting something. You're letting yourself noodle it out, figuring it all out. And then once you've extricated that knowledge from the ether, then you can go and paint a la prima and just, you know, set it down like you know what you're doing because it is in front of you and it's more like painting from life. But of course, that adds hours and hours to the process, which you usually so. Yeah, I, I think you have something up on your website of the, um, the Walking Dead cover, and you're yep. showing all your sort of your comp work to get to that final piece. And like, that's like, and I look at that, I'm like, the results amazing. But you go, the effort of work that it takes to get to that is so there's so much labor involved in there. Yeah. It is not just this like, you know, hey, can you guys just hold still? Let me take this picture or, you know, make a right. sketch from this thing. Like there are so many, piece, you know, moving pieces that have to be kind of collected. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the one drawback to where 50% of my income comes from is, you know, aftermarket original art sales. 
in the back of my mind, whether I try to or not, I'm always thinking about that. Like, you know, I'm going to sell this piece in another six months, another year, another two years, sometimes five years, uh, and I'll get a second payday. So I'm lavishing each piece with more detail, love, whatever, than it mm -hmm. needs. Yeah. Uh, but I can't help myself. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of trapped in, in that. I'm sorry. Like our brains, you know, it's so crazy how our brains operate. Like, I mean, you made, you made that sort of that simple observation about, you know, Instagram, well, like when it flatlines, you're like, what am I doing wrong? And then like, yeah, so yeah. like we're service, we serve, like our brains try to service this kind of intangible aspect. You know, we're, we're trying to service this. We don't know what the algorithm is doing. So we try to service this and, we, or we don't know what the potential buyer out there for this piece of artwork in the future may want. Like, so like, well, more is better, right? Right. I'll do yeah. more, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it is, it's not, I'm not doing it for them. Like it's definitely for myself, but it's kind of like a part of myself that I don't like. Right. You know, like I do love, I love original artwork. And I like making something that looks looks great. I like I wouldn't do it if I if I, if I didn't like it. Uh, it's just that I I think if I didn't have that market, I would be forced to speed up a little bit. Gotcha. Uh, so I don't I don't hate it, but uh, I do I just feel like I lose something by kind of being comfy, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, do you think that it goes back to being a kid? Like I'm, I'm, cause I'm thinking about like how I, I always lament, like I would, you know, sort of work out the drawing and then I would, it would be just like, Oh, now I got to ink the damn thing. And that's when mm -hmm. I knew I was going to go crazy. Like, I know I was going to drive myself nuts with detail and all this kind of stuff in there. And like, and I tie it back to like, well, those are the things that made me happy as a kid, like sitting mm -hmm. down and drawing something you know, and really, really just kind of getting lost in some sort of sense of detail or whatever the thing is. Um, do you think that's like an early kind of like emotional connection for you? I don't know. I've always been like, it just, I've just always drawn. So I don't really know. I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of like when I kind of developed, I don't think I can really separate my process from my you know, being obsessed with Alex Ross's art. So I was just, mm -hmm. I was re just reading any, any chance, any wizard magazine article. It's like, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> how he, how he worked. And mm -hmm. like, I still, <clears throat> the way I work is still a consequence of, of that early introduction. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that I use gouache. And when I started out, I actually, I tried to separate myself from him by using oils, despite what everyone told me. I should have, okay. I should have listened. But uh, that was kind of, that was my own desires. Like I knew I needed to distinguish myself from him mm -hmm. because I had just been so focused on like that, that kind of style. And I'm, I'm glad I did it, but I'm also glad it's over because I needed to do the oils to learn like how to paint a different way. So mm -hmm. now I can paint the exact same way as him in terms of the process, but I can have the result look different because I've kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm me. Uh, yeah. It's more me than I used to be. <laughs> well, I mean, 
you know, I mean, my, I wear my, you know, influences on my sleeve all the time. Like I always did and I still do. I mean, I think even when I write, my influencers are still there and they're not specifically have to be an author's influence. It could be anything. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and to me, but that brings a lot of joy to me. Like I really like feeling that connect connection to what I find to be a source of inspiration. And I go, oh, well, that, that makes me feel good. Like, I feel like I'm in that, that whole neighborhood. I'm in the conversation. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Um, so you have a bit of, a, I mean, your father, as you said, is inks you, which is mm-hmm. pretty, I'm just saying it's fucking awesome. Um, yeah, it's great. What, what, how does that, how does that come about? Like, I mean, was he, was he active when you were growing up? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I could say like, I was, I was basically created in a lab. Like my parents <laughs> met, uh, as far as I know, in a drawing class, they, uh, they had me in 1981 in 1982, they opened up a gallery slash art supply store. And I just sat in the corner with unlimited art supplies and just drew all day, every day. Like that's, that's just what I did. And so like, could I have done anything else? I don't, I don't know, um, yeah. but it all worked out for me. Um, yeah, I, I don't think, uh, well, I just, you know, I always loved superheroes. So that's just what I, what I, what I drew. Mm-hmm. Um, but art was, you know, it was always a part of our lives from, from my very, very first memories. There's always like amazing art on the walls. And, uh, you know, my dad would like, he didn't like sit me down and, you know, give me lessons every day, but we were all, we were always drawing. Mm-hmm. And if I had a question, I, I would ask him, you know, my, my mom, she also did, did portraits back in the day, you know, like my dad caricatures, uh, for most of the time growing up, he was doing airbrush t-shirts. Uh, that's kind of why I ended up in Daytona beach. Uh, you know, that, that's my hometown, but that's why they ended up there. Um, <clears throat> then he, he switched in 1995, 94, 95 to, um, custom motorcycles. Okay. And then by the time, you know, I, I got my own career and was kind of making the transition from painting to ink work and Marvel wanted to give me daredevil. Uh, I think my mom suggested that that my dad try it because, you know, like he's basically the one who taught me how to use a brush. Right. So we knew he could do it. Uh, And so I gave him like a test piece. Uh, He actually, the first thing he did was a Spider-Man Punisher cover. And he actually did it twice Hmm. just to like make sure he could do it. And um, it worked out great. And like I said, the only thing I had to do was fly to Florida to show him how to use a scanner. And right. then once once that was done, then he was good to go. And so, you know, Daredevil was his very first, it was his rookie year. And he Amazing. hit the ground running and, you know, got best inker that year. That's <laughs> like, ama- so amazing. Yeah, yeah, that is, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, 20, 2012 was like a, a crazy year for all that. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, it must be. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think on all like, you know, so many of my greatest memories are, you know, shared projects with my father. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, those things just 
means so much to me and, and the learning, you know, and how all that stuff has paid off, you know, in dividends as a life, you know, moves on, on your own. And like, that's like, to me, like the idea of being able to kind of circle back when you're an adult and have that sort of creative connection with your, you know, with a parent, yeah, you know, in a different way. I mean, it's, it, it's really, your page rate was super high that day. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty special. Like I, I don't, ah, it's, you know, it's great. He was just here, um, I guess about a month ago. Uh, and you know, I, I, I don't, the thing is, the problem is I don't produce as much artwork as I used to. Right. So, so he's not getting as much inking work from, from me, but I still, you know, we still do a, a few covers, uh, each year. And then usually I try and send some commissions his way, mm-hmm. but you know, his main job is still like custom motorcycles and that kind of stuff. But, uh, it's, un- it's unique in so many ways. I mean, there are, there are, <clears throat> there are enough, you know, parent child comic book legacy stories but this is yeah. this is a little bit a little bit different and a little yeah. bit in reverse which is yeah, i think it's really kind of yeah 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 i remember i had a whole bunch of students in atlanta and i was teaching a drawing class to these advertising design kids and i was teaching them how to use it to ink because i'm like you need to know how to use like tools to do stuff so i'd bring in pages you know copies and they would ink them on vellum you know half the like half of the girls in the class would come up to me like how do i do this like can i make money doing this like they were like they actually enjoyed the process of inking mm-hmm. to the point where they wanted to kind of like see if that was something they would could like to do as a professional which i thought was like okay this is an interesting byproduct of just trying to teach a, a you know a skill set you know to get get them through their career yeah well i mean inking in particular like my dad likes doing it he likes it more than you know and he like he's he liked comics, but he was never like a huge, huge fan. So he doesn't like mm-hmm. read them uh, regularly, but he likes the process of inking. He turns on an audiobook, and, you know, five hours is going like this. And it's, it's pretty relaxing. It's, I think it's more relaxing than his uh, custom motorcycle job. And I, you know, I actually miss it a little bit because it's such a different job. Uh, yeah. You know, penciling can be, well, it is. It's much more frustrating because it's more brain power. When I'm mm-hmm. inking, I, I turn on a, an interview, a podcast, you know, whatever I want to listen to, a lot of audiobooks, and, you know, time melts away and I learn something. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's such a different experience than uh, what penciling is. And, uh, you know, coloring is probably the, the same for me because it, it just uses a different part of your brain. It doesn't use as much of my brain. Um, both good and bad. But yeah, I, I do miss it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally catch you on that one. Like I have all these, uh, these are these buckets of the type of work, you know, for the work on projects. I'm like, well, this one, I'll be able to listen to a podcast. This one, I have to have absolute silence. This one, like I can listen to music, but with no words, you know, like I have like Mm -hmm. all these kinds of like rules of what can happen when I'm doing work. And, uh, I mean, I remember like my foolish hubris in my early twenties of like, I can watch a tennis match and still draw a comic book. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Guess what? You, you can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely there's um different categories of things like even even audible stuff, uh, where you can only process so much information at a time depending on what you're doing, and so there are some interviews you can listen to and there's some that you can't, and yeah. uh, part of you know what I had to learn 
you know, kind of in the in the early 2000s, like I have to, you know, like you were saying, set certain things aside for different times. And even mm-hmm. in the course of a day, like, uh, you know, I was just, I was working pretty hard. My, my wife took the kids for four days. So I had like, which I've, I haven't had in a very long time, but I had four days, maybe like three and a half to do nothing but work. And I did, I like painted like the wind. But if you're, if you're doing like 16 hours a day, even if it's the same kind of work, you, you have to, <clears throat> I'll put it this way from, from 11 at night to midnight, I need to put on an episode of Rick and Morty just mm-hmm. to like keep me awake. <laughs> right. And so I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm not watching it, but I will occasionally like look over just cause I, I need to be re-energized just cause it's the mm-hmm. end of the day. And that's very different from me in the morning where I can like just listen to some, usually a podcast and news or something where I don't have to remember everything that I'm hearing. Right. But anyway, yeah, yeah. I listen to a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, I was having this very same conversation with my, my wife over the weekend, we were just discussing about different things and like, well, yeah, I mean the podcast of a conversation, I don't need to be completely focused. Like I know, like I can listen in on the conversation. That's like I'm eavesdropping almost. Um, but boy, like a, a, a book, I got to pay attention. Like if I don't yeah. pay attention, I'm like, wait, what, what's ha- Wait, what, what just happened? Like, I don't know yeah. what's going on and I get, I, I get flustered. Yeah. It's easy for my brain to fall off track. Um, <laughs> it's just the nature of it. So I, I'd love to learn a little bit about the, your, your painting process and like how you, your incarnation from concept to execution, because you have a bunch of different steps in your, in your thing. So I'm, guessing there's a very much a hand to digital to back to hand, you know, hand, when I say hand, I mean, analog. Um, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I kind of go back and forth all the time. So most projects for me start out digitally. I just have a template in Photoshop that I, I always open up no matter what. It's a very, um, because it has a perspective, uh, template in it. It's actually a very big file. It's like 400 megabytes. And then I just delete what I don't need. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, one thing I'll, I will say, like I've mentioned it before, but if you work digitally, especially in Photoshop, but really anything, uh, I try and in that template, I have one layer that reduces brightness and uh, puts a yellow uh, screen over everything, basically cutting out blue light. Mm-hmm. And that has saved my eyes. And so every once in a while, I open up something that is, you know, the full bright white of the paper. And it actually, like, I get a physical response in my eyes. I'm like, ooh, that is painful. Uh, so if you are staring at a screen all day, I highly recommend it, especially if you're drawing, just, you know, drawings on white paper. Just put in a layer on top that decreases the brightness and yellows the paper. Because it. And I also have a, a layer that adds texture to it because I find if I can see a texture instead of just blank computer white, I just my brain believes it more it believes hmm. in the paper and believes in the process uh, more than if it doesn't so anyway that's where most things start once i know what i'm doing and i have time then i do traditional because if i don't have time i just keep it all in photoshop the, the okay. whole way uh and i use you know uh carl t webster's brushes and my own modifications i think i have one brush by greg rutkowski 
He's one of the plaintiffs, by the way, in the uh, class action lawsuit against the okay. FBI. But, you know, I can finish things digitally if I want to. And in fact, right now I'm about to, uh, I'm doing something for the Hero Initiative. Uh, I'm going to paint, cool. paint a Superman on it. I'm going to paint traditionally something that I had only ever done digitally. It was for Sideshow, but I figure, hey, I never got to paint this. So I might as well do it, you know, for this since it, you know, it's going for uh, charity anyway. But uh, if I'm not going, uh, keeping it digitally the entire process, I I usually do a finished pencil. I don't think I have any examples that I can show right now, but, uh, you know, a pretty highly detailed set of pencils that I then print out onto uh I think it's Strathmore Mixed Media Board, which is basically like an illustration board. I have mm -hmm. an Epson P400 printer, which will accept up to 52, I think it's 52 point poster board. Okay. Remember. Basically it's under two millimeters, but it's pretty thick. And mm -hmm. the reason I use that stuff is because then I don't have to tape it down to anything and it will accept uh, you know, water-based paint without bending too much. And so I use that for most anything that I'm going to put color on. Um, once that comes out, you know, I, I print out the pencils and then I do the first layer, just like Alex Ross, where it's a grisale uh, gray tone. Uh, he uses straight black, uh, not, not always, but I, I think he uses most pieces uh, ivory black. I tend to do sepia, which is just you know, dark, dark brown. Mm -hmm. And then for the darkest parts, I'll add a little bit of ivory, ball, ivory black. Once that's finished, then I'll go and kind of do a glaze over it in watercolor. And uh, once that's done, it, it looks pretty finished by that point. But then I usually like to add some opaque uh, passes. And that's mm -hmm. when I'll get out my, you know, I don't see it, but I have a whole palette <clears throat> okay. where, it, where it's... Um, it's a piece of plexiglass that's wrapped in a cloth and then wrapped in parchment paper. And so it's kind of like a stay wet palette. Mm -hmm. And it works great because you can like mix things as if it were oil paint, get everything exactly the way you want it and it'll keep it wet for, you know, until it dries out. You just keep adding nice. water. It's like my little garden. So um, then once it's done, then I scan it in. And I usually most paintings take about an hour of Photoshop work just to get it to look the way the actual piece looks, right. color color corrections always such such an issue. Sometimes I'll I'll actually go in and you know repaint some things that I wasn't quite happy with. The piece I finished last night, I uh, <clears throat> there was a logo on a mug. Towards the end of the painting, I realized I made the mug too small, so mm. I physically painted the mug bigger. wasn't a big problem, but the logo on the mug was going to take a lot more time, and so I just scanned it popped it up uh, yeah. bigger in, in Photoshop and it was you know, done. Uh, so yeah, it's like digital, traditional, back to digital, all over the place. That's cool. You said you were talking about the texture on the digital file, having a texture to work on. Do you put a texture on your tablet surface to draw against? So yeah, so the, the Cintiq has the etched glass, mm -hmm. which is decent. Uh, when I was working on an iPad, I did buy a, a screen protector that gave it some tooth. For the Cintiq, uh, I have to use the felt nibs. 
anything okay. else just feels like you're just like scraping plastic on plastic. You know, I hate right. it. Um, one of the other things that, so I've been fairly happy with Wacom over the years. I had a tablet back in 1999. The Cintiq that I bought, the Cintiq Pro 16 back, I don't know how many years now, when I got maybe 2015, 2016. So it's, it's lasted, but the software sucks. And uh, it was making my, my modifier keys stick, not physically, but it just does something to the computer. And I, I had to do the same thing to two different computers where I, I use my modifier key, like option for eyedropper, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you let go of it but it's still holding it, it. It would stay, right. Yeah, and it's totally Wacom's fault. Like, totally, like, definitely them. Uh, the reason I got upset with them is because I, you know, I would say like, it's doing this, it's doing this. And they're like, try this, try that, reinstall, reinstall. And then finally I got through to somebody that was like, yeah, we know. Yeah, we know. We, yeah. know, we know this is an issue. And I'm just like, oh, you bastards. So they know it's a problem. I'm not willing to update the driver because it usually causes other problems. So I'm sure. using a really old, old driver. All that being said, the thing that saved my life was uh, this, the four box. Um, I bought this. Uh, it's a, a so it's, a, it's an external controller. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's got, uh, you know, lots and lots of buttons, but the main thing it has three dials. So mm -hmm. one, two, three mapped out with everything I use. So my, my left hand, you know, draw with my right, my left hand rarely touches the keyboard now. Oh, wow. So okay. Everything is done through this with a few exceptions. Um, and that solved my problem. So the Cintiq still has the same issues, but because I use that secondary peripheral. You're running through that whole, that whole thing, which is a different language. It's taking care of your problem saved my you know mental health i i just i can't even but you're still not going to update your update your software no driver updates you know every once in a while if i'm forced to yeah. i will so same yeah. with photoshop like you know never update photoshop the week before a deadline like you just don't oh yeah no yeah i i sit there with the red the red circles on my on my computer like saying hey <clears throat> you've got an update and I'm like, yeah, I also need to eat. Like, I am not going to touch any of that stuff because I don't yeah, want yeah. to eat. Yeah, I always wait until like the last moment and then you never update uh, more than one thing at a time. So, you know, I'll update the OS on my Mac. I'll update um, what, Photoshop. I think I'm a few, a few behind on Photoshop. Um, yeah, there's usually some features on Photoshop. I, I was re uh, recently, I was pleasantly surprised because I did something that I asked them to do for a long time. Because uh, I, I have a few contacts at Adobe. And uh, I, well, the first thing they did that was great is they allow you to flip the canvas, you mm -hmm. know, without having to actually change the file, which would take right, forever. Right. I would do, but it, you know, it, this one's instant. Uh, <clears throat> But the last update that they did, they also flip your brushes. And I was just like, so happy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, everything that I, uh, all the brushes that I use with, which only, a, with only a couple exceptions, they are all uh, rotationally dependent. Mm -hmm. And so, 
you know, when I'm painting and I'm using a flat brush, like if my brush is this way, I don't want it to paint like this. Right. Right. Totally. No straight line. And, yeah. and so they finally fixed that. And like, I, I, I think I thanked them on, on Twitter because I just, it just made my life it's one, one more thing that I was waiting for for years and they finally did. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I mean, listen, nothing's ever going to be perfect, but yeah, they, yeah. Like they have, they have such a huge ask, you know, I, I, we, you know, I, I worked in a large enough corporation that they, they would come to us and talk to us about what they were doing. So we could kind of give our feedback in advance, but you know, there's just no, like there's no satisfying anybody or everybody I should say in that respect. Like it's just such a big beast. It's a huge piece of software. And well, yeah, that, that's in particular, that's the problem with Adobe is that we're not, we're not their clientele, like artists, no. we use their stuff, but yeah. we're, we're not who they're aiming for. And so we'll never be like, you know, and I, I worked with them. I, they, you know, I was working with uh, Kyle T. Webster who, mm -hmm you know, Adobe hired to try and develop, well, you know, they hired him for a bunch of different reasons, but one of the things he was working on was Fresco, which is an iPad sketching app. Mm -hmm. I helped test that. And I'll be the first to say, like, I did not like it at all. And yeah. part of it is just because like, it's, it's great for sketching, but mm -hmm. if you're doing like big time work, big time files, like it's just, it's a layer that, that only slows you down. Yeah, and so uh, you know, I've I've mixed feelings about that. I, I enjoyed working with them and uh, and giving them my suggestions and whatnot, but I I didn't you know not a huge fan of the of the final product because um, it's just not made for me basically. No, no, I I use it for literally just for sketching. You know, yep. I, if I have an environment that I need to communicate something to a client or to a vendor, I will do a drawing in this yep. space, and I go, "This is what we need." This is what we're talking about. And everyone goes, oh, okay. But yep. after that, it goes over to Photoshop. It's exactly. just, you know, and listen, you're right. It's not called comic shop. It's called Photoshop. Right. Yeah. And I, I did try, I tried to learn Clip Studio for like a hot minute back mm -hmm. in 2017 when I did uh, three issues of Hellboy. And uh, I just, I should have known, but I, I just, I tried to, you know, bite off more than I could chew. Where what I what I should have done is just done one cover in it because it's mm -hmm. actually it's it's very similar. Like you know when I that's kind of why I thought that I could do it is because I opened it up and I was like I changed a few of the the uh, the button you know hotkeys and whatnot. And I was like this is I'm, like I'm basically already trained on it. And then what I did was I tried to make a book using <laughs> yeah. like you know because it has a lot of powerful tools like you can map out the entire book. You can give all these dimensions. And I just got, I got so frustrated because it wasn't doing exactly what it said it was and it wasn't getting the dimensions right. And I was like, I don't have time for this. So I moved on. Mm -hmm. So in the back of my mind, I'd still like to try it, <clears throat> especially for the perspective tools. But because I'm old and I use Photoshop and I already have all that stuff there, I'm, you know, I'll keep using it until it breaks or I break. Until you can. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think you had, you had the absolute right idea. It was just the wrong you know, implementation of that idea the, because of the timeline. Like if you had like something with a longer timeline, great, you get paid to learn a new thing. But in this exactly. in comics case, yeah. it doesn't work that well, way. And I'm, I'm usually good about that kind of stuff, but I got, I just got fooled into it because my initial trial 
worked so well. Right. And I was right. like, you know, like, these are, I, I did. I was just, I was kind of shocked. I was like, this is working so well. I can just dive right in. And then I dove right in and I couldn't swim. So that was that. You were the second, <laughs> what you were the second night in, um, was it the Holy Grail when yeah. they go like, what's, you know, and you're like, well, that's easy. And you went running up to give the answer and you're like, well, I don't know. And off you go. Yeah. 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 It happens. Hubris. Yeah. I, um, oh, dude, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it gets me every time. Yeah. Um, or I should say, I get myself every time, but yeah, that's a, uh, it, it's, it's, I think it's a great tool. I think it, it's great up to the coloring side. I don't like the coloring as much on, you know, on a clip studio mm-hmm. as much as a Photoshop. I think Photoshop is, a, is, is just more robust. Yeah. I've, I've heard that from a lot of people. Like they'll, even when they start something in clip studio, the, the, all the uh, post-production stuff ends up. In it's like export as PSD. Off we yes. Go. And that, that's another thing that kind of kept me from it. Cause I, I wasn't coloring that, but I, in the back of my mind, I was like, eventually I will. And mm-hmm. if, if I have to switch back and forth, I'm not going to like it. Yeah. It just, I mean, it's anything that slows it down. I mean, it's like, it's like, web, it's like website design, you know, like yeah. if you reach a certain amount of clicks, you're just going to lose your user every yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that's actually kind of what my wife does for, for Google. Like she's working on uh, Chrome OS. And so it's okay. like that, you know, that's, that's all they do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it really, <laughs> so, but your kitchen must be really efficient. Like everything was, is within like, Oh my God. No, two, that, that's, two it's, it's a total, it's a total, every, every dish, uh, washer fill is a total fight. Like <laughs> she, she likes them one way. I like them the other. Like uh-huh. and both of us are like, that's not efficient. So right. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's, my, that's our house too. Like, it's just, yeah, thing. I think like, that's everybody. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. But I think when you have people who have creative endeavors, like we're absolutely convinced that like our sense of spatial awareness is better than anybody else's. Yeah. Yeah, it it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually, I'm surprised we don't fight about it more, but usually it's because like one, one of us just takes one one for the team and just like, you know, this doesn't matter. (laughs) Right. right. But I, I would like, I'd be so curious to like sit and listen to some of her, her meetings because you know, I, I just, I've never been involved with anything like that. So I, I, right. Unbounded curiosity about how all that stuff gets made. And, you know, like you're saying, like at a scalable factor where you, you physically can't be there holding someone's mouse. You you Mm -hmm. have to tell them like, I need this done, but there's also some things that you're going to have to solve on your own. Right. Well, and the AB test, you know, like right, it's right, very right, hard. Right. It's you know, for you to A/B test is like I'm going to do one cover in Clip Studio and one cover in Photoshop. You know, and who knows if it's it's even a fair test because two completely different subjects and you know two different completely different palos. Like you may wake up cranky one day. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, going back to the tour box thing, like so one of my one of the wheels I have set to is just undo redo, and so mm-hmm. a lot of what I'm doing, especially towards you know post-production coloring that kind of stuff not so much drawing but i'm always just you know try something did it suck try it did it suck and so i'm always going back and forth with that wheel uh and it's better than you know hitting command command z um you can actually step back a a few steps and it's it's great i I love that because you can't uh it's the only way that i can judge things i just have to see it you know i love i love that it's like a little time machine for drawing 
Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, like you said earlier, I mean, you're, you're fortunate to be in your, you know, at, at this time in your life doing the thing that you're doing because you have access to you know, all these great tools, which weren't around when you first started. They just didn't exist. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I turned something in like today was the deadline and I have to worry about FedEx. I just upload it. <laughs> yeah. It's good to go. I, I was actually, I was kind of lamenting that the other day because I loved going into the Marvel office and like, I, that's where I saw my very first piece of Alex Ross original artwork. Mm-hmm. Like, the editor brought me into his office and showed me a Captain Marvel uh, painting that he had done. He pulled it out of these big flat files. I don't even know if they have yeah. flat files anymore. Probably not. And I just, <clears throat> I imagine that as an editor, that's got to be one of the big perks, or it used to be yeah. one of the big perks of the job. And I don't know if they see any physical artwork anymore. I, I can't imagine that they do. Uh, you know, obviously Alex Ross is still doing lots of covers for them. I don't think he's sending it in. I, I don't know. I'd be curious to find yeah. out. But it, as far as I know, I, I think he he has someone, you know, scan it for him. And then they'll I would, take a file. But I don't know. I would assume he would for just for, you know, for production control. Like, like. Well, he, he's famously, like, not great at computers. <laughs> you know, obviously it hasn't slowed him down at all. So. I, no, no. I, when I first got in. When I, yeah, when I first started working uh, with Marvel in 91, so my first writer uh, was Dan Slott. And Dan oh, nice. awesome. was the returns, I, I'm going to yeah. call him editor. I don't know if that was his the title, but he was in charge of returns. Yeah. So we would hang out in his, and I say office, it was just a large closet. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we would hang out, we would talk comics and stories and stuff, but they had this big bin, this big gray bin you know, that probably used for rubbish or for big mail deliveries or whatever, but in it was just a big old heap of artwork and they didn't know who did the artwork on the walls, sleeves with, with envelopes full of all the artwork for returns coming from the, the, the camera room. So I would sit there and I would go through the bin and go, Oh, this is so-and-so. Oh, right, right, right. Because you know, Dan's a phenomenal, you know, writer, but he doesn't know the artist. Like he doesn't have the ability to look at and go, well, that's Ron friends who did that. Or that's right, you know, right, right. never. And, uh, yeah. yeah I, I, you know, grow, growing up, like there was, there came a point where I realized like, Oh, not everyone knows. That. No, no. <laughs> Cause you know, I just, for, for me, it's just, it's so obvious. Uh, right. and, and that's not, you know, that's an ability I've always had. So, it's not something like, I mean, obviously you, you train on it. Like you, you have to, mm-hmm. you have to be looking at the artwork, but I know now that there are people who can do that and then not be able to glean identity from it. And so, right. you know, I, you had, I had to learn that that's actually a gift that kind of, I had nothing to do with. Yeah. No, totally. So I, my first, my first year at SVA, I was walking <clears throat> I was hanging out with these upperclassmen, you know, they, they were a year older than me, but they were <laughs> sitting there and they were flipping through the Marvel universe, you know, books with all the characters and all their powers yeah. and they would hold it up and someone would go and they would name the artist, you know, the, the yeah. person on the side of the hallway. Yeah. And like, like a normal person. The, right. But that, at <laughs> my point, my acumen was 
you know, John Byrne, Frank Miller, like it was very basic, you know, like I didn't, yeah. I didn't have the fine tune, you know, you know, oh, well, so-and-so inked that over it. And then like, but that prompted me to say like, I better pay closer attention. Like I need right, to know right. who these people, you know, who everybody is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it actually, that's actually one of my favorite things is when it, it gets tricky, when it's uh, an inker who doesn't typically ink another you know, mm-hmm. that particular artist. And uh, I saw one recently where it was like um, Joe Sinnott, but he did somebody besides Kirby. And it, it's just like, it was so funny because you're it's in there. It's in my brain. And they mm-hmm. see both things, but it's the cognitive dissonance, like that this doesn't match for a reason. And so you have to take a second look and be like, oh, that's who that is. And that's why that doesn't seem normal in my brain. Yeah. And some of those inkers can like almost change <clears throat> what the art, the, the penciling looks like, like you almost oh, for sure. fundamental. <clears throat> yeah. Like it's like this copy, it's like this overwrite of DNA, like they're changing it. Like Sienkiewicz is a master at inking other people and yeah. you don't really like it's even hard to say that's him. You know, you're like, wait, wait, who, well, I, I, I love doing that. Like I'll, I'll ink on yeah. uh, Joe Quinones sometimes. And I, I love it because it's, <clears throat> you know, our styles are close enough that uh, it works, but I, you know, I get this sense of ownership over something that I didn't have to put the hard work into. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's, love it. It, it is. Inking is just that, that funny thing. Uh, <clears throat> what was I going to say? Oh yeah, speaking of uh, SVA inking, um, <clears throat> David Mazzucchelli, as far as I, I remember, he got a job at Marvel, but then lost it because somebody inked over him and it looked terrible. Oh no! <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who it was, but apparently it was so bad that he had to basically reapply under a mm. pseudonym. <laughs> inking himself and that after that point he always inked himself and thank goodness wow. but yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's that's just what it, you know that's how powerful the job of inking is yeah because you, you kind of have the final say over all that oh for sure and you can make it better or you can obliterate it yeah wow damn well <clears throat> i guess i guess we all we got we got something good out of that one with with david because yeah 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 we all we all won <laughs> we all win in that one yeah so can you talk about anything that you can talk about rather than all the things you can talk about that people I know, might I know. be able it's, to like, yeah, all yeah, the, yeah, all the super secret stuff that you're working on. It's been kind of a weird year. I've had, a, I've had a lot of new clients this year, uh, more than I usually do because usually I have one client and that's Disney. But, um, the one thing I can say is I'm, I'm doing, uh, you know, six issues, uh, six covers, uh, for action comics. Right. Uh, the first three were Bizarro, and then the second three will be Brainiac. I think I could say that. Um, working for a video game company right now. I can't say anything about that. Um, I want to do a movie post for next year. I can't say anything about that. <laughs> um, I want to do. Oh uh, no, I can't. God, it's like all these freaking NDAs, and I gotta. Get yeah, yeah, I know. Um, <clears throat> what can I say? Oh, I, I will be doing, um, the original art expo in Orlando at the end of January. So it'll be my oh, cool. first convention since the pandemic started, actually since before the pandemic, when my second kid was born in 2019, like that was, that was it. Like I, I didn't leave the house after that. Uh, wow. Okay. 
but I'm going to bring him uh, and then also visit my parents in Florida. Oh, right he, on. We used to go to Florida every Christmas. And then once he was born, that didn't happen anymore. So he's never been to Florida and I just, I want to bring him along. Um, going to do some stuff for, I think I, I, can, I hopefully I get to do a couple of GI Joe pieces. Oh, sweet. I don't know if I can say it, but I'm going to go ahead and yeah. Secret. Um, those are super fun because <clears throat> you basically just to make, get to make the toy toy box art mm -hmm. and they even use the original uh, explosion painting by oh, yeah, Hector yeah. Hector Garita or Harita I don't I don't know how to pronounce the name uh, but he, you know he did all the, all that uh, box art back in the 80s that I just loved uh, so I'll, I'll do a couple of those and um, more action comics have seen that. Else. Something else fun that I, I'm, I'm not remembering. Oh, um, I really, I, I, I usually try and do one piece of sequential art or you know, story per year. I didn't do any this past year, maybe even not the year before that. So next year, I'm going to set aside time and do hopefully an issue of something. Uh, okay. I think I, I think it's going to be for DC. I don't know yet. They actually they asked me to do something I couldn't hit the deadline, but I told them I want to do that same writer, all that kind of stuff. So hopefully that gets done this year, which means you probably won't see it until 2025, but right, right. Uh, that's the goal. <laughs> right on. Well, they can, they can chase you down on Instagram or, you know, wherever you may be on the, on yeah, the internet. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. that, oh. that also reminds me, speaking of uh, long gestating pieces of artwork, I think in 2024, the Spider-Man uh, freshman year uh, cartoon will come out on Disney Plus. So I oh, cool. I worked on that for like kind of like the last two years, and that was about I, at first I was about half time, and then I was even less. But I did do a lot of work for it, and I haven't been able to show any of it. Uh, so hopefully that comes out this year, and uh, you know it it was a it was a ton of fun to work on. That's awesome. I'll bet. I'll bet. All right, Paolo, I'm going to let you go so you can figure out what the next step is. But um, <laughs> thanks. Thanks so much for joining me. And this is this is a pleasure to talk with you. Oh, my pleasure. I, I, I love it. I, you know, I've listened to a couple of them, specifically Dustin Weaver and uh, Becky Clune. And, and I just it's so nice to be able to work while also listening to other comic book artists who are also struggling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean like struggling with their careers. Like they're, they're super successful, no, no, no. but it's just sure. nice to know that that, that doesn't end and it's normal. And yeah. it's just always nice to hear. Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think it ever stops for anyone. Um, no. <laughs> but thanks man. And, uh, I hope to see you, uh, maybe at a convention in the near future. Yeah. I hope to start doing more of them now.